The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying dry as it's been on and off rain here in the Auburn Opelika area on this Tuesday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. Uh, Carter, happy Tuesday. Hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm um, doing great. It's always great to have our friend. That's it's right. Nice as we are very, very lucky to be joined by Chris. Christian Clemente, our recruiting guru for Auburn 247, able to join us for about the first 45 minutes of hour number one. Christian, good to see you, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has been a little bit. Wow, I can't even talk. That's how tired I am. <laughs> um, it has been a busy, busy, busy recruiting month between the official visitors. Um, there's some on campus right now. There will be some big ones on campus this weekend. Um, between that, the camps, some unofficial visitors. I mean, it's been a busy month but in a very good way yeah we we call it our off season technically uh with high school sports being done for for now and then with all of auburn athletics being done but this is this is your time right now man i know you are uh just cranking out the articles you're cranking out the coverage and you you and everybody at 247 just do such a fantastic job and so we always appreciate you when you're able to stop by uh phone lines are open today uh if you have questions for us or more importantly for christian as he is in again for the first 45 minutes or so I know you got to get over to the facility uh, later on this afternoon and so uh, if you have a question for him about recruiting about who's been on campus who's going to be on campus what the recruiting's been like we'd love to hear from you our wonderful listeners 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 you can call in and be on the line we'd love to hear from you we're going to talk all things recruiting for Auburn football with Christian Clemente here in hour number one and as I said we'll talk about everybody that's been here we'll talk about those camps that he mentioned who's here today what we could see this weekend and what the total outlook could be for recruiting for Auburn football in this cycle so should be a fantastic hour number one and looking forward to it so Christian I know it's just been I mean it's been crazy with the amount of events that are going on with the camps and seven on sevens and unofficials and official visits and it just seems like anybody that's anybody when it comes to a high school football player has been on campus at Auburn in the last couple of weeks yeah it definitely feels that way whether it's an official visit um, or if Auburn's getting them on campus you know for one of these camps or whatever honestly that's been one of my biggest takeaways you know it's not getting kids on campus for an official visit is definitely a big deal it's less of a big deal now that they have unlimited official visits Uh, that is the recruit you know the school is still limited Um, but the amount of guys that have come to camp guys that are um you know the seven on seven is loaded that's a little bit different because you come with your team but hey it still counts for Auburn Auburn's coaches still get a chance to go and talk to them and watch them play a little bit but even just some of these other camps like O-line D-line camps and stuff like that guys that are camping that already have an offer and probably already have a committable offer but are still wanting to come and work wanting to work with these coaches and learn from them a little bit 
Last Friday, I mean, Walker White is on campus, and rather than just hanging out for the camp, he decides to participate and throw, which was a lot of fun because Bryce Kane and Malcolm Simmons, the two wide receivers um, that Auburn has offered, were also participating. So it's been it's been really good in terms of you know the talent that's been on campus. Now the biggest takeaway is you know can Auburn close on some of these guys because you know you still only sit at five commitments. But um, as I've talked about, just kind of over on our side a little bit, Auburn's on the verge of landing it feels like quite a few guys right now feels like quite a few guys are trending towards Auburn um, and trending in a really positive direction so you mentioned Walker White coming down to campus and participating in that camp one I guess from getting to watch him how, how did you think he looked and then how important is it for him to be out there participating with these receiver prospects build that chemistry and uh, create some familiarity between him and some of these these guys Auburn is after yeah I think it's well first off let me start with how he's always going to pass the eye test anytime you see him in a room he is always going to pass the eye test he absolutely looks fantastic I mean there's a reason that one of the comparisons for him is that he's kind of built like Tim Tebow he's built incredibly well at kind of 6'3 6'4 in that range like 220 or so he's built incredibly well so as soon as you get him in a camp with other high schoolers it's like Okay, yeah, he. You can tell who's who. Um, right. You don't, you don't have to look at what jersey numbers on the back. You can tell who's Walker White. Um, no disrespect to anybody else, but you, <laughs> you can just you can tell who Walker White is. No, that's respect to yeah. Walker White. Yes. I mean. <laughs> um, in terms of his throwing, he was throwing really pretty well. Um, he looks pretty effortless when he throws. To be honest, um, he had a couple of missed throws here and there, but that's what these camps are for. Um, that's an opportunity. You know, he was one of the coaches was glued to his hip pretty much the whole day, whether it was offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery, um, Kent Austin, Jesse Stone. Um, both of those guys are off-the-field guys that work with the quarterbacks. Someone was there with him the whole day um, talking to him about stuff, him asking questions, them asking questions, whatever. Um, this is a great opportunity. And, you know, we talked to him afterwards. He said basically that I just envisioned myself in an Auburn jersey. Like I was in practice asking the coaches – you know, what I need to do before a game week or whatever. Um, hmm. So it's a really good opportunity for him to be able to learn a little bit more. Um, and then in terms of him being able to get reps in, I mean, it's huge. He, you know, we talked with Bryce Kane afterwards and he's like, I already feel a really good connection with Walker White. Um, That's good on, to hear. On and off the field. Um, Walker White was talking a lot about Bryce Kane's dad, actually, how he got to talk with him off the field and how he enjoyed getting to talk with him. Um, and, you know, I was talking about guys that are going to be committing here pretty soon. Uh, Bryce Kane told us he plans to commit. Um, sometime this week I think that will either be today or tomorrow um, it's between Auburn and Ole Miss and right now I've got my crystal ball in for Auburn hey so. oh how about that another another receiver that Auburn could could benefit from in the future you talk about Walker White and what you saw in him on the field in practice and we know how in a good way how loud Walker White has been off the field when it comes to social media and what his recruiting has been like he I've said this before he's another coach on the staff when it comes to recruiting guys to come to Auburn yes he absolutely is Um, and he even said that was like almost his exact quote afterwards he's like look I take this to heart I take this um, not personally but I take this as a responsibility that that's something I want to be doing I want to be getting guys around me Um, and he said one of the biggest reasons he does that is he actually got that from Bo Nix he said he he talked extensively with Bo Nix um and that was before I think he said before he had committed to Auburn he just talked extensively about kind of what life is like and stuff like that and Bo said look you've got to have guys around you um and Walker definitely took that to heart 
Um, and so he's been super active. Obviously, you see it on social media. What you don't see is all the texts and phone calls that he makes, FaceTimes, whatever, keeping up with these guys. Um, and then obviously when he's on campus for a camp, um, it's a great opportunity for him to connect with some of these other guys. So we feel like it seems like Auburn is picking up some momentum in in re- recruiting or at least some it's almost like uh when you when you talk about like physics or whatever like potential energy here it's just <laughs> storing up storing up storing up and it just has not it had the first domino has not the reaction fallen. hasn't happened yet yeah. you know what and, i mean and so i mean how how worried should auburn fans be with the fact that there's still only five commits or should that not be a worry at all at this point in time I'm personally not worried because I think by the time you get through Big Cat Weekend, which is at the end of July, I think you could easily end up in the range of 12 to 15. Plus, I think you could pick up a couple 2025 commitments along the way as well. Um, So I'm personally not worried because, um, I mean, it's just like I said, there's a lot of guys that are trending towards Auburn right now. Bryce Kane is one of them. Um, I think Auburn sits in a pretty good spot with Kensley Faustin, the DB who visited this weekend. Same thing goes for Jalen Crawford, who wants to have a decision kind of by the end of July. Um, same thing goes for DJ Barber, who visited with his teammates for the Clay Chalkville, um, up at Clay Chalkville for the seven on seven tournament. And he publicly named Auburn his leader. He's like, look, they're my leader. I'm not even going to take an official until this fall because um, I know everything I need to know about Auburn. Um, it's been really hard for any place to be able to top Auburn. So far, nobody has. Um, and I'm going to commit at the end of June. So there's. There's a good collection of guys right now that feel like they could jump in the boat with Auburn sooner rather than later. And I feel like we have heard so many quotes like that from from the guys that are coming on campus. They're just so impressed with what Auburn is right now, where they're going, the coaching staff, the facilities, the the organization, which I don't think has been there for years and years and years. Um, It's really for me to hear, you know, when I read these quotes and hear from these players and see what they're talking about when they come visit Auburn. It is refreshing, and I know we've used that word. Uh, it seems like every time that you're in here, just how refreshing it is for us to talk about it, and for you to cover it and write about it, and for the the players and the recruits to actually feel that way about what's happening at Auburn right now. Yeah, no, absolutely, Jacob. It's just it's like a breath of fresh air. Like I don't know how else to really necessarily put it. Like everyone, there's just a lot of positive energy right now. Everyone is just pretty excited about it, and I think I've talked about it on the show before, but when you get a guy on campus and they say something positive about it, Philip Dukes on our site has talked about it. Yes. It it kind of explodes a little bit more. He goes back to, let's just say Jalen Crawford, for example, he goes back to Parkview and word starts to get out at Parkview. Like, Hey, what's going on at Auburn? Like, it looks like something, something's fun going down at Auburn. Like what's going down there. Mm -hmm. And then it spreads in the city of Atlanta a little bit. And there's just some buzz around, you know, what's going on at Auburn. We got to get down to Auburn. We got to at least go see this. So how much has the the feeling, the narrative shifted over the last, say, calendar year around Auburn with the last, what, six months or so of the Harson era into the start of Hugh Freeze? How much, how much inroads, how much is Auburn at the front of the minds of some of these kids that maybe weren't even kind of thinking about Auburn a year ago? Uh, the best way I could put it is, um, and I'm going to steal it from Jason Caldwell. It's like a black hole, um, to the sun. (laughs) I mean, when, when you start at rock bottom, you can really only go up. Um, and Auburn has definitely gone up in a very, very positive trajectory. Now, the biggest thing is, you know, Carter, you just talked about it. It's closing on some of these guys. It's Mm -hmm. there. There's certainly, um, I I don't want to say 
concern, but maybe there's just a little bit of nerves on the message board right now. People are a little nervous, like we've only got five, like we got to start getting some commitments soon. Uh, but I promise those are coming and then it'll probably ease the tension a little bit. And then you start really going after the big dogs like you just talked about. Then you start really, I mean, you already are, uh, but then you can all of a sudden have a lot of attention on a guy like Cam Coleman, who's officially visiting this week, but doesn't want to make a commitment until signing day. You know, you start to fill out the baseline of your class a little mm-hmm. bit, um, and then you wait for the studs. A guy like K.J. Bolden, for example. I don't think Auburn's going to get K.J. Bolden. I think he's going to end up in Georgia's class. But Auburn's making Georgia sweat a little bit. Um, Georgia was the long-term favorite there, and Auburn has definitely made them sweat. And there's a ton of other guys that Auburn's working pretty heavily on. And think about an example like that, where uh, like a, a Bolden, who if he doesn't come to Auburn, but Auburn's still putting in the work, and Auburn's still making Kirby Smart or Nick Saban or whoever work even harder. There are multiple facets of that that can benefit Auburn and Hugh Freeze down the road. Whether that is and this is, you know, this is where recruiting really gets deep. But if if Kirby Smart, for example, they're having to recruit heavier on a guy like Bolden, maybe they under recruit on another guy and Auburn mm-hmm. can sneak in and snag him, right? Or maybe the word gets out with his buddies like, hey, they recruited me really hard. They've got a good thing going. I just think Georgia's a better fit for me. Well, maybe that's a ripple effect with guys that are in Bolden's camp and his connection, and Auburn can go after those guys. Like, there's a lot of things that can be really beneficial for Auburn just by showing some effort man I mean effort is so big in recruiting and I mean for the first time this current era of of recruiting there is pretty decent value in being the runner-up for guys because of the transfer portal yes because if they hop in that portal that's a great their mind's gonna go right to okay well who do I really like in my recruiting process do they still want me and if you do I mean that's what you see I mean Christian could probably speak on this better, being a recruiting guy. That's why you've got a lot of G5 schools that kind of will tell guys who are going to bigger schools elsewhere, like, hey, like, don't forget don't forget about us. I know Southern Miss is a school that's doing something like that, like for Mississippi kids that go elsewhere. I mean, it has value being involved and not necessarily giving up on a top guy, even though you may not land him now what what do you think about that christian no i agree 100 percent. that's one of my go-to lines on the message board um people kind of freaked out because on um on sunday jeremiah beeman visited um with some of his teammates who are participating in camp and that's the recent alabama commit mm-hmm. um and he he told us he had scheduled his official visit for the iron bowl and some of the guys uh, or just some of the people on the board were like oh he just wants a free ticket to the iron bowl you never stop recruiting in the era of the transfer portal mm-hmm. you never stop recruiting those connections go a long way. You stop recruiting when they sign with another school, um, and then in the back of their mind, they're going to remember if they ever do enter the transfer portal. You know, if they look at the depth chart after a year and they're like, "I ah, just, I want to, I want to get somewhere and I want to start playing a little bit quicker," they're going to remember that you kept recruiting him until the final day. Um, you don't just stop recruiting a guy. That's just not something you should really ever do, and especially not in the transfer portal era. Right. Effort effort goes a long way. Showing that you care goes a long way. And, and Carter, I think that's a fantastic point. With the transfer portal, you're never truly out of it because – 
like you met, like you said, if they go to Georgia and decide, okay, this isn't for me, but Auburn was right there in the mix at the very end, then yeah, you're going to have a really good chance and you're going to have the hand up on everybody else that reaches out to that guy when he enters the transfer portal. So I think a really, really good point on that. We're joined by Christian Clemente from Auburn 247, the recruiting guru in hour number one. Any questions that you have, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Want to talk with Christian about the seven on seven and all the events have been have been going on on Auburn's campus when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time today. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. You have a question for Christian Clemente. I sure do. And guys, I don't disagree with a thing y'all said so far, but the one thing that does sell recruits when you think is performance on the field. And I think it's important for Auburn to have a good season and and it proves they're fixing to go from doormat to dominant. Oh, yeah. No, I agree completely, Terry. I think that's one of the biggest things that's holding off honestly a decent amount of these kids from committing right now is they just want to see a little bit of they want to see a little bit of that product they want to see you know these receivers they want to see you know Hugh Freeze has the past with DK Metcalf AJ Brown all these guys but they want to see him do it at Auburn they want to see him air it out a little bit Um, some of these guys just want to see a little bit which is totally fair Um, so I I think this fall if things go well um, especially if they go well to start and you just catch some positive momentum there a little bit it could be a really positive domino effect for Auburn in terms of recruiting. Right. right. And the question I wanted to ask you, uh, Christian, was the, the kid that his father played at, played at Auburn, he's, I think he's committed elsewhere right now, but what's Auburn's chances of flipping him? Is that, was that, is that kind of the case that I just mentioned? Just got to wait for the performance on the field first? Yeah, I think you're t- uh, I'm assuming Ryan you're talking Williams. about Ryan Williams, um, the wide yes, receiver out of Sarah it. Land. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that one, there's just a long way to go because he's a 2025, so he's got like 18 months until he signs. Okay, so it's a ways down the road. <laughs> yeah, it's a ways down the road, but I think one of the biggest things that he will definitely want to see is that product on the field. He, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's the best receiver in the country in his class. He's probably the best receiver in the country regardless of class, to be honest. Yep. Um, and he wants, to, he, he wants to know wherever he's going that there's going to be an offense that suits him and benefits him to be able to get to the NFL. Right, and the receiver's going to want to know who's going to be throwing him the ball and how well he can yes, get it, and, yep. and you're going to see that down the road. This year, you know, with Peyton throwing a, a transfer in, it's going to be a little different. He's going to be very successful, I think, and he's going to be a, get ready for this, guys, a thorn in the people's side. Oh, gosh. There you go. <laughs> oh, <Terry. laughs> but, I mean, you're probably going to get a look at some guys, you know, in, in mop-up roles and some of the some of the, the, the beatings I'm going to give some of the teams. I hope one of those beatings is still out in California, quite honestly. Terry, you you told me last week you thought Auburn might lose that game. I think they might. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to, but <laughs> hey, that's a, the, now the Christian. Tell me if you agree with me here, because Carter doesn't. You got to go over two thousand miles to play a game that uh, play a game that's returning a bunch of starters. Change of time, change of atmosphere, all that stuff. Is that not t- tough on a Southeastern Conference team? It definitely is. I think it's a trap game in the sense that it'll be closer than a lot of people think fair i think a lot of people will be like oh auburn should blow out cal but it's week two like you just mentioned there's a huge travel out there time zone change all that different stuff i think people will be projecting like a double digit win maybe a couple touchdowns um, and i think it'll be closer than that i think auburn will handedly win the game by like a touchdown or something 
but it'll be kind of close the the whole way. So I definitely agree with you I'll, in that sense, and, Terry. And I'll you say a good, a good it, it's sorry. all well and good to return a bunch of starters, but when you're really bad and those players weren't good in the first place, <laughs> like, does it matter? I mean, let's let's talk about Auburn's offensive line the last like two three years. You returned them all, but they were awful. <laughs> Good point, Carter. Good point. <laughs> and at that, at that point of the year, second game of that, Christian just said, Auburn's still going to be trying to figure out their Auburn. You better believe what it. What, what and that, that's going to be a factor. Yeah, a no, factor. there's no doubt about it. Appreciate it, guys. Have yep. a good day. Appreciate it, Terry. Always good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you as well as we are joined by Christian Clemente from Auburn 247, a recruiting guru here in our number one. That was a good question from Terry. I thought, I mean. It was, it, yeah. It, for, about uh, Ryan Williams. I, I wanted to ask this question of uh, Christian and give him some time, time to answer it before the break. But, uh, Christian, how, with the effort that this staff had to put in going into the transfer portal and landing 20-something transfer uh, players for this 2023 season, how much does something like that, when you're having to spend so much time in the portal, does it hinder your high school recruiting? And is the staff, are they able to make that ground back up again? Yeah, you can definitely make that ground up. Uh, I think it maybe hinders them a little bit. I mean, you only have so much time in the day. That's there's only so much time you can only make so much time to call recruits so you have to find a balance between the transfer portal and the high school guys Um, I think the staff has done a pretty good job of that to be honest Um, I don't think they're really the biggest thing was they were always behind for the 2024 class they were always behind because recruiting is at minimum really a two-year cycle um, for most of the elite guys you know a guy like KJ Bolden has been recruited since he was in eighth grade Um, so you're really far behind there but which that happens more and more and more in today's game yes so well, I mean, have, haven't we all heard about Baby Gronk? Yeah, the fourth don't, grader. <laughs> don't I'm get sorry. Into that. I know I hate that. It's the worst. I brought thing it up the other day, happened. and Carter got really mad. <laughs> he I, was not happy about I it. I hate the Baby Gronk thing. Anyways, <laughs> uh, it's uh, they're fine in terms of where they need to be in t- the 2024 class. The biggest thing, and I think the staff has honestly done a pretty good job of it, is you have to be careful when you attack the transfer portal. You can't just take a guy to take a guy. You can't just take on a guy and get and take on three years of a scholarship because at that point, transferring a second time for these guys is going to be a lot tougher, so they're probably really going to want to stick it out. Look at a lot of the guys that Auburn got. They're one- or two-year guys. The, the one that instantly comes to mind that they believed in fully to kind of take on and take on as a four-year guy is Caleb Burton out of Ohio State, the wide receiver transfer. So Auburn's staff was very meticulous about you know, we want a guy at this position, but we don't want to handicap our 2024 class or our 2025 class by bringing on a guy who has multiple years of eligibility in that sense. Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting point because if you bring on a three or four year guy to take a roster spot, that prevents you from picking up a three or four year guy on the recruiting trail. And just because you can, we talk about this all the time in the transfer portal, just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? So you, sh- you have to pick and choose what you yep. want. Um, with the recruiting number, you talked about how Auburn is only at five. I think there is a different number in everybody's heads, whether it be the fans, because they want to see just as many recruits as possible and the biggest names, the biggest stars, which is understandable. They have a number in their head. I'm sure Hugh Freeze and staff have a number in their head. I'm sure you have a number in your head. How do those numbers differ for this upcoming class, and where do you think that number sits right now? 
in terms of kind of where they'll finish or where you yeah where they'll finish where you think a, maybe a target number could be for this class I mean I think they're shooting for the stars in terms of where they can actually finish I think this staff wants to finish top five now do I think that's realistic for the 2024 cycle probably a bit of a stretch I think Auburn could get top seven top eight I think that's really your ceiling um, I'll say eight is your ceiling and your floor should be 15. I think if Auburn falls below 15, unless you end up taking a smaller class, which is possible because you're still going to have to dip into the transfer portal again yeah, for sure. to try and mess with this roster a little bit. So there's circumstances um, to the situation, but Auburn should really be finishing top 15. Um, at least the blue chip ratio should be pretty high of uh, landing four stars and maybe a five star here and there. Um, so barring circumstances if they're outside the top 15 i'll be a little bit concerned what 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 type of season this fall would facilitate like what is what is your number that this team has to get to in terms of wins and production on the field to allow it to reach that full potential of this cycle i think to get a top 15 class you can get seven eight wins and be okay i think if you want to get crack the top 10 there that's where you want to get one of those big wins and get to eight, nine wins mm-hmm. um, with a bowl game or something. Pull off, get get one of those big wins. Beat Alabama at home in the Iron Bowl. Get get some sort of big win. Maybe win a big bowl game or something like that. I don't know if you'd be in a huge bowl game, but beat a beat yeah. a quality opponent in a bowl right. game or something like that. Well, the Iron Bowl, if you are able to win that, we know if Auburn has a halfway decent season, when that game rolls around, the amount of recruits that'll be here for that oh, yeah. will be astronomical. <laughs> and a win yeah, on top true. of it will put a cherry on top. And so we'll talk some more about that. I think it'll be interesting to see how recruiting is affected by the performance on the field. Christian Clemente of Auburn 246 joins us for the rest of the next segment. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds it at the back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins. We're joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247. Uh, We got him for this segment. He's got to dip out after this, but we do appreciate him and his time before uh, we go long in this segment and we don't have time to do it at the end. Plug all your stuff. Plug where everybody can find you and everybody over at Auburn 247 and all your guys' great content. Yeah, this is actually a great time because we have a sale um, going on for 60% off an annual sub. Um, and I don't know the actual pricing on that, but I, it's 60% off. Um, you know, it can't be too bad at 60% off. You would think a kid that got a marketing degree, I'd have a better sales pitch for you, (laughs) but 60% off. We've got a ton of VIP content. We just debuted a new, um, story or I did called sources say, um, which has been pretty fun to write and people have been enjoying that. Nathan Kane had a VIP buzz today on the basketball team and the football team. Um, so we've got a ton of VIP content over at auburnundercover.com. Um, and then I'm on Twitter at cclemente247. Well, you guys all just do a fantastic job, and we always appreciate you coming by and talking to us about Auburn football recruiting. Uh, we talk basketball recruiting a little bit as well, but right now it is really, really heavy on on the football side of things. And so I want to do to have you explain to our listeners because there's been so many different events going on, whether it be official and unofficial visits, uh, the camps, the seven on sevens. Uh, for for our listeners that maybe don't. Know 
know the difference in those when it comes to a recruiting standpoint. Could you run through that really quick and just describe what those are and how they differentiate when it comes to recruiting? Yeah, let's start with uh, an official visit because those are the most significant. Um, The school is limited in the amount of official visits that they are able to give. Um, The school pays for the visit. They pay for travel. Um, They pay for meals. Um, I think there's a certain number of meals that they can actually have, um, and it's 48 hours is what they're allowed um, to have the kid on campus for. So if a recruit is on an official visit, it's significant because that means the school has significant interest. Um, really anybody can go on an unofficial visit. Um, but you know, the main guys that if they come in on an unofficial visit and it's one of Auburn's guys, obviously they're going to spend a lot of time with the coaches, their position coach, coaching staff, whatever it may be. Um, so those are, you know, if a, if a kid drives up, the kid's paying for the drive. Um, if he's there, um, you know, when they do like events and stuff, Auburn will have food, but the, the kid has to pay for it. Mm. You know, the family has to actually pay for the meal, stuff like that. Um, and then camps um, are pretty much the same way as an unofficial visit. Same with seven on seven. Um, you know, if a team or a school comes, the school is paying um, to be in the camp and to be in the spot. But with the camps, it's a great opportunity for Auburn staff to be able to get eyes on these kids. Um, schools are able to actually video the camps so they can video plays and review that later on. Um, and then, you know, coaches can kind of pull guys aside if they want to. There was the picture that circulated on our message board that Nathan took um, of, quote-unquote, the balcony um, of Hugh Freeze's office where some of the top guys after the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament while the finals were going on, some of the top guys that got eliminated earlier, some of the Clay Chalkville guys, DJ Barber and Jalen Ibakwe and some of those guys were up on the balcony um, just chilling and hanging out with Hugh Freeze watching the 7-on-7 the seven seven tournament go on. Yeah, I mean that's the that's what I think that's what makes those really really fun and interesting and and we know the big schools that were on campus for that seven on seven and br- they brought all the biggest names with them. There's no doubt there was a ton. I mean Central Phoenix City was there, so that's Cam Coleman, um, Clay Chalkville was there. Like I just said, Thompson was there, um, Houston County out of Georgia, who has big 2025 quarterback Antoine Hill, who was absolutely dealing, was there. Um, <laughs> One of the interesting ones, Harding Academy from Arkansas was there, uh, which is home to Wyatt Simmons, one of Auburn's big linebacker targets that's really rising up the board. Um, Josh Aldridge actually played for Wyatt Simmons' dad at Harding University. Okay. Um, So there's a really strong connection there between those guys, which is uh, definitely helping Auburn out quite a bit. So that's just a fraction of the names, man. There were a ton. Ethan Barbour, a big tight end out of Alpharetta. Um, and look, they've got another seven on seven tournament coming up this Thursday. Um, it's the second and final one and it's going to be, it's going to be another loaded list. So when you, when you see some of those names, I mean, Antoine Hill, the quarterback in the 25 class, it feels like Auburn's going to have a decent shot, uh, to land another high level quarterback in that 25 class. It feels like that quarterback class is really stacked. Uh, is Antoine Hill a guy that you would have your eye on at the top of, Auburn's board for 25? I think there's two guys that are right atop the board for Auburn in terms of Auburn's significant interest and the recruits' interest um, in Auburn. And that would definitely be Antoine Hill um, and Deuce Knight, the quarterback out of George County, Mississippi. A um, little bit of different players. Deuce Knight is an absolutely true dual threat. He runs in the four fives, um, and he's a big, like, 6'4 lefty um, who's still kind of skinny frame a little bit but really really fun player to watch turn on his huddle for like a minute and 30 seconds and you'll be highly entertained um and then Antoine Hill is just a gigantic arm quarterback but I think those are the two guys 
Um, and I would not be surprised if Auburn lands one of those two guys. And then you mentioned White Simmons. I know that linebacker recruiting is something that Auburn fans are going to have their eye on with between Simmons and maybe a guy like Joseph Phillips. What are you hearing about Auburn uh, at linebacker? And, I mean, it seems like things swung Georgia's way for Joseph Phillips. Seems like maybe this past weekend Auburn got back involved. Yeah, it's uh, you know it was interesting. All of the buzz started to really circulate around Georgia for Joe Phillips, mm-hmm. and then show up to last Thursday's seven on seven tournament, and who's the first guy that I run into? Joseph Phillips, not there with his team. He was there um, part of the camp, kind of as like a workout thing. Um, so he was doing that and talked to him a little bit, and he said he hasn't really made a final decision. Um, and so th- that speaks to, you know, I was talking about this on our podcast last night. That speaks to the awareness of this Auburn staff. They're not, they're not dumb. They don't, they, they can grasp when a recruit is starting to trend elsewhere or when buzz is starting to circulate around another school and they know, Hey, we need to get this guy back on campus or whatever. Uh, right now I would still favor Georgia for Joe Phillips. Um, but Auburn clearly realizes where they stand. Um, and he's always said he wants to take his Auburn official visit in the fall um, so, you know, even if he does commit now, um, and he opts to commit to Georgia this week or next week or whatever, um, Auburn will still be in the ball game. Auburn will still get that official visit. He's not going to shut things down in my opinion. So that's kind of the latest on him as of linebacker. There's so many names on the board because we thought Joe Phillips was going to be a Jack linebacker, but he actually wants to play inside. So then you've got Bradley Shaw still, you've got DJ Barber. Um, you're still kind of involved with Sterling Dixon, the Alabama commit. You've got Wyatt Simmons. There's a ton of names at linebacker, and that's a good thing because Auburn didn't sign a high school linebacker last year, so I think they're going to try and sign like three guys this class. Well, they need it. I mean, we know what the we know what the Auburn linebacker room has been the last couple of years. It's been thin. Not that there hasn't been talent. It's just been thin. Well, and you've got bodies now, but a right. lot of them are kind of older transfer guys that you brought in. The one, or, two or years. guys who have been on campus, like mm-hmm. Cam Riley, Wesley Steiner. Uh, you do have some depth for 2023 I don't know how much depth you have past that right and I think that's why as Christian said you're going to see the staff go out and get a couple of these of these linebackers Christian for you personally covering recruiting as much as you do and doing it for Auburn uh for for as long as you have how how much better has it been for you when you because well you guys at 247 and you in the recruiting aspect of things I mean, you're on top of everything, right? And they let you, it seems like they give you pretty good access over there at the football facility on the recruiting side of things. So what, how's that been for you in this, in this last, what, six months that, that Hugh Freeze has been here or so? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I was talking about this on the board with some, some of our subscribers earlier, but there's just a lot of nice, like friendly guys on this staff. They're not standoffish towards us. They understand, um, I don't want to say how to use us, but how we can be beneficial to them, um, in kind of garnering some of that buzz when commitments or recruiting stuff is happening, stuff like that. Um, So it's just been a lot of fun. Um, These camps have been exhausting a little bit, but definitely in a good way. Like the way I was telling someone else is like, it's chaotic, but in a really good way. Like it's really chaotic, but in a really good way for Auburn Um, last Thursday in the seven on seven tournament, like Hugh freeze was just getting like shuffled around and buzzed around a little bit. Like, need to go talk to this guy, need to go talk to this guy. You know, we got to go check in. We got to go say hey to Cam Coleman while they're on their bye um, during pool play, stuff like that. Like, it's chaotic, but in a really good way. It's controlled chaos. For Oh, go ahead, Carter. So we know, I mean, I want to I get this question in before before we, mm-hmm. we run out of time. So we know that Auburn's 
sitting on those five commitments. And we know that Bryce Kane is going to announce either today or tomorrow um, based on what you've said and what you've posted on um, Auburn Undercover. He seems like a likely uh, potential option for Auburn to land their next commitment. But who are some some other names in the immediate future between now and the next time we see you here in this studio that Auburn might add to this class? Uh, DJ Barber is obviously – He's he's one of the obvious ones because he's flat out told me, hey, Auburn's my leader, and they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, Kensley Faustin is a sneaky one. He officially visited this past weekend, um, and I think there was some real positivity about how that visit went, um, and I think he really likes Auburn a lot. Um, and he's a composite four-star. I think we have him as a three-star, but Auburn really likes the way he fits into that secondary. So he's another name. Um, I actually just crystal balled two 2025 guys, Ja'Caleb Falk, the younger brother of Keldrick Falk, and Alvin Henderson the big running back out of Elba. Um, I don't think those are guys that necessarily will jump on board right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if they commit like by the time big cat weekend rolls around at the end of July or commit during big cat or, you know, whatever it is. So those are a couple other guys. I'm sure I'm missing some names. Let me, I'm sure there's a couple other names that Auburn is in definitely in a good spot for. Well, as you, as you get those quickly, um, Big Cat Weekend, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you in between now and then, oh, yeah. but I'm sure that's expected to be just ridiculous uh, for, for the numbers and the names that are going to be there. Yeah, no, Big Cat's going to be another huge one, um, so that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun at the end of July. So going down the list of names real quick of guys that have already officially visited um, and that Auburn sits in a good spot with that could commit soon, Wyatt Simmons, um, I think they're in a good spot there. I think Auburn made a pretty big move with TJ Lindsay, the defensive lineman out of IMG Academy. Jalen Crawford is a guy that I've had crystal balled for a couple months now. Still feel that way after his official visit this weekend. Auburn sneakily made a move with Cohen Eccles, the offensive okay. lineman out of Texas. Um, his dad went to Texas A&M, but I think Auburn definitely made its move there a little bit. Um, Red Morgan, Rydarius Morgan, the DB out of Central Phoenix City. That's another name that I think Auburn's making a pretty big push to try and get on board here soon, um, and I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, well, those are five big names that you listed off that took their visits, and from your perspective and from theirs as well, seemed like it went really well. And so yes. Auburn should be feeling in a good spot. They're putting in the work, man. They're putting in the effort. They're putting in the time. They care. They actually want to do it. And yes. and, and I think that's got to be the biggest message is, for Auburn fans, the results may not be showing right now as much as they would want them to, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The domino effect is going to get rolling here soon, um, and I would not be. It could it could get rolling during the second hour of the show. <laughs> well, Auburn fans should be excited about that. Krista Clemente of Auburn Undercover, uh, plug all your stuff one more time. I know you got to get out of here, and we'll get to our final break. Yeah, just over at auburnundercover.com. Definitely make sure to check us out over there. We've already had a lot. Um, we'll have a lot the rest of this week, a lot this weekend um, as official visit season um, is starting to kind of wind down a little bit. Thank goodness for my actual health. Um, and your golf game, right? And my golf game. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> golf trip coming up. I really need to get back out there on the course. But um, until then, check us out at AuburnUndercover.com and then on Twitter at CClemente247. If we don't see you before your uh, golf trip, I'll, I'll uh, give you the same question I gave Jacob Hillman on Monday. I mean, are we going to see a – Christian Clemente hole in one uh, this summer on the on the golf course? Probably not. Um, <laughs> honesty, honesty is key. Humbleness, I like it. Par threes are not my specialty. I just, just whip out, hit the driver on a par four, and just you know, just just get a hold of one. <laughs> I actually use my three wood mostly right now. 
the driver has been stashed Uh-oh. in the bag. Hey, th- that is a that is a <laughs> is grown a, man decision. Is it a big right miss or a big left miss right now? It used to be a big right miss. Um, I kind of have gotten rid of it. I was hitting it pretty well last time, but I'm just so comfortable with the three wood right now that I'm kind of just rolling. It's you know, it's like when you got a running back that's just running really well and you just keep rolling with it. I'm just rolling with the three wood. It just feels good. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I do that a lot of times. I hit or miss my driver. So like if I'm not hitting it well, I'm the same way. I'll put it in the bag. I'll get the three or the uh, five hybrid out. My yep. five hybrid is my go-to club, man. I hit I mean, that off the tee. It's straight every time. Yeah. doesn't go as far, but it's going to be in the fairway more times. You're not that. hitting out of the forest. That's I've right. Got, I've got my driver back now, but to start this summer, I was. it felt so alien with a driver or anything with a head cover <laughs> that I basically played five iron and down. You went irons, yeah. Uh, five iron right now is maybe my favorite club in my back. And there's nothing wrong with making a decision. If you're not hitting the club well, just don't hit it. That's that's what I've learned in golf, it, except the putter, because that you got to use that one. But <laughs> we got to get to our final break. Christian, always enjoy having you in the studio, man. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover joined us here in hour number one. When we come back, we'll get to the phone lines. Daniel, you'll be first up when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Let's get to the phone lines as we wrap up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Daniel, you're on the line. We appreciate you holding on through the break, man. What's up? Uh, Do we have Daniel? Maybe not. Is he on the right pod? Oh, there he is. Hey. All right, we got you now, Daniel. What's up, man? Uh, hope you guys are staying dry today. Yeah, yeah, uh, trying absolutely. to. What's up, brother? Well, I, I was thinking the other day, um, what sports do Texas and Oklahoma technically officially join the SEC and play in first? Does it start with football next year, or would it even start with basketball this coming year, or baseball next year? I believe what, what sport does it technically? I believe it'll it'll start in the fall of 2024, so football and and those sports will be the first ones, just because it'll operate on the the uh, academic calendar, and so that's that's what I believe it is. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong, but right. I don't think that's, I am. That I think that's been the assumption is once like the spring sports finish up, so like baseball, softball, track and field, right? All of those sports once they finish up in that academic calendar finishes up then it'll reset there in 2024 and that's when texas and oklahoma will start with football gotcha i just uh you know thinking about the year of 2024 you know this year being 2023 the baseball year finishes and ends i didn't know if it was maybe baseball next year i was trying to find a schedule for for either of them um but anyway, baseball and basketball schedules take a lot more time or they're they're a lot quicker to, to mm-hmm. piece together. So they wait a lot later to announce them. Uh, football is the one that we I mean, like Auburn's playing Miami in like 2030, right. 2031. Yeah, I, I can't re- recall which one it is. But yeah, they, like, they schedule opponents years and years in advance and, and they don't make the physical schedule, but they do they do ad- schedule guys in advance. And so, Daniel, we appreciate the goal. Good question. Speaking of scheduling like that, I do have. One little gripe with the, uh, you know what's dumb? The SEC forcing Tennessee and Georgia to cancel their yeah. their, their games against Oklahoma. 
But like Alabama and Texas kept playing. Like they play again this year. Was there a reason, like a legitimate reason behind that? I think Georgia and Oklahoma were supposed to play this year. They were. They 100% were. And, and, yeah, what yeah, the, the, what was the reason? The was that? like, oh well, they're coming to the conference. Like, go ahead and cancel it. And I just, I hate that. I maybe the, there had to have been something else with that. Surely, right? I don't. Maybe I maybe don't know because they weren't going to get both ends of it before they joined the conference. Oh, but, maybe. But still, maybe that's that what it was. ACC schools play each other in non-conference games every few years. Yeah, yeah, they do. Well, I think it was, I think it was Wake Forest and UNC played a non-conference game like two two or three years <laughs> ago, and it was like, this is dumb. That but, sounds okay. right. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, no, that's a good question, Daniel. We appreciate you uh, giving us a call. And, and yeah, it seems like uh, in 2024, which, by the way, tomorrow is uh, tomorrow's the day. Do you know that? Tomorrow's the day. On the 14th, the schedule will be released oh, yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it's tomorrow night uh, that the 2024 SEC schedule will be released. Uh, the eight-game schedule with Oklahoma and Texas in the conference. And so uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And don't you better believe we'll talk about it on Thursday, um, the games that survive and the games that don't. And there's going to be – look – there's going to be some upset folks. There is. There's going to be some people that are not excited and not happy about certain programs not playing other programs, but not all schedules are created equal, and you can't make everybody happy. You just can't. Not in today's world of anything. So I'm excited for that. Uh, that is, I believe it's a, it's tomorrow night, like in the evening. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm really, really excited to see what that's going to look like. I'm interested to see what Auburn gets and, and who they don't and what the schedule looks like if, if things are spaced out because we know this year the schedule is pretty favorable for Auburn, right? And it's still one of the toughest in the entire country, but in 2023, this seems to be one of the easier schedules yeah, for Auburn football and, we've seen, and, and I hope 24 they... is going to be so difficult yeah that's oh that's my, my fear 24 is going to be that's a, my fear it's going to be a grind it's going to be tough because yeah it's just going to be i'm just going to go ahead and tell you and tell auburn fans it's going to be tough it's going to be a tough schedule but auburn does that every year so is it going to be much different i don't know we'll have to wait and see uh, but that will be tomorrow and we'll talk about that on thursday daniel appreciate the call we'd love to hear from any of you as well Give us a call, 334-321-1390. We appreciate Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover joining us uh, for the first 45 minutes or so here in hour number one, talking all things Auburn football recruiting. Uh, If you missed it, go and catch up with the podcast after the show today at ESPNAU.com. Lots of action going on with Auburn football when it comes to high school recruiting, more than we've seen in a long, long time. And so Christian covers it better than anybody else. Go check his stuff out at Auburn Undercover. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk some more recruiting. We'll talk some baseball as well as we have all the teams who will be playing in Omaha. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well and staying dry as we get underway here in hour number two. If you missed any of the first hour, we had Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover in the studio talking all things Auburn football recruiting. And so uh, if you missed any of that, he he basically told us what all has been going on over the past couple of weeks. He name dropped about, oh, I don't know, 50 different players that have been at Auburn that are interested in Auburn or Auburn's interested in them and maybe even a little bit of both. Um, and so if you missed any of that conversation, if you're looking to get caught up on recruiting, uh, be sure you catch up with the first hour of our podcast. Just go to ESPNAU.com right after the show today. It'll be uploaded there or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast also go check out every all their great work at auburnundercover.com uh coming up here in hour number two want to talk a little baseball because we do have the field set for omaha the final two games did get played last night i uh, will talk about those and the disaster that was the end of stanford texas and we'll we'll talk about the teams that are in omaha and how they got there and what to expect from uh, the sec squads that'll be playing in the college world series then later on we'll talk auburn recruiting react to what Christian had to say and just what's been going on uh, over at the football facility. So phone lines are open in hour number two. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. You can be on the line 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Before we get into uh, the baseball conversation, did want to make the notes of uh, an Auburn legend that passed away uh, today. It was the uh, Auburn track and field legend Harvey Glantz who, who passed away and uh, basically considered the best sprinter in, in Auburn history, in Auburn track and field history. Um, he was also the f- university's first black head coach in any sport. So breaking grounds uh, in, 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 in sports back in his day. And so he uh, passed away at the age of 66, an Olympic, a three-time Olympian, a gold medal winner in 1976 Olympics. Uh, he was a four-time NCAA champ at Auburn from 1976 to 1979. And so um, obviously that's before before our time, but did want to to at least mention that, that uh, an Auburn legend did pass away today. So um, definitely wanted to mention that, and we'll, we'll get into uh, some baseball here. Carter, the, the lineup is set. Omaha College World Series for college baseball is set with the victories of Tennessee over Southern Miss last night and Stanford over Texas in the late night game yeah Tennessee well that one the Tennessee Southern Miss game actually ended up being later than <laughs> right the, the Stanford Texas one because of the they the had some weather issues yeah they dealt with all all weekend um Tennessee took command of that game late and shut out Southern Miss and was able to cruise to that win um Stanford had a 6-3 lead when I was watching it, and Texas put together a heck of an eighth inning, uh, scored three runs, tied at the game, got out of the bottom of the eighth, and they were in a jam. Uh, Stanford kid thought, oh, well, that that's in the ninth. I'll get there. Uh, didn't do anything in the ninth inning. Texas took a lot of strikes, a lot of backwards Ks, a lot of strikeouts looking. Um it was kind of frustrating to watch to an extent. Some good pitches from Stanford. You go to the bottom of the ninth, you have two outs, and uh, you have a kid for Stanford who 
hits the ball well to left, but thinks he's hit a home run, I guess. He's a little unsure. He's busting out of the box initially. Then he throws his helmet because his entire team's running out of the dugout because the ball gets lost in the Pac-12 logo on the wall. And uh, he thinks he hit a home run and barely gets into second base as they relay the ball in. Um, And then I think he had a walk. And then poor Texas just... I don't normally say this about Texas, but that was the most brutal way I've ever seen a college baseball game end. Yeah, that was and, it was and, it was bad. I mean, it especially because it ended your season. Like I've seen, I saw the Auburn LSU game at the uh, at the Met a few years back, where um, Scheffler, the uh, catcher for Auburn, he he blocked a ball up and he couldn't find it and he's looking everywhere and he kicks it down the line on accident and still doesn't know where it is and LSU scores two run of runs and walks off on Auburn but this is Drew Bowser one of the better players for Stanford skies a ball with two outs to fairly shallow right center field no man's land basically yeah four guys who all look up at once the only one who saw us the shortstop, it's not his ball. I understand why he didn't go after it, but the second baseman, the center fielder, and the right fielder all had the same reaction. None of them saw the ball, which that never happens where three guys all can't track a ball like that at once. And the ball drops, and Stanford walks it off on him in just brutal fashion. I feel for that pitcher because he gets the pop-up, and he's pointing into the dugout, walking off the field, celebrating – and he turns around in time to watch the ball fall and that Texas team to lose. That is brutal. I I thought Texas deserved to win uh, with the way that they fought in that series. And it's such a brutal way to lose. But also, it, which I get it, you're excited in the moment, but um, it is a little uh, annoying to watch Drew Bowser run around in center field, beating his chest, acting like he did something on that play when he hit a 150 foot pop up to short right center field that should be caught a hundred times out of 100. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, he put it in play. You know what I mean? He at least got a barrel on the baseball, and and look, I know I mean, he didn't. It, he didn't get it's a not single a well by hit any ball means. in any in any capacity. It's not. No. Even, it's not even like hitting a ground ball and actually making them field it and throw it like that's a ball that is in the air forever and ever somebody should be able to get under that ball and camp under it and all you gotta do is catch it and that's it's not like honestly if I was a coach I would prefer almost any other ball in play than what Drew Browser did in that moment yeah I mean just got exceptionally low. right the percentage of that happening is extremely low on this stage in in the super regionals with the winner moving on to the college world series i mean a pop-up is going to be caught literally like 99 times out of 100 in that situation but again credit to credit to stanford because they did win and, and i don't think you can you can't take away the fact that they're in the college world series it would have gone to extras, and then who knows, right? Who knows what would have happened in in an extended game? But that's you know that's our favorite game to play, the what if scenario, right? And so it's a brutal loss for Texas. 
brutal, brutal loss for them. Uh, but Stanford moves on. Tennessee moved on as well. And so your field is set in, in Omaha for the College World Series. Oral Roberts, the, the Cinderella story, the four seed, uh, they have um, made a run that we've seen very, very few times. They are in the bracket with TCU, Virginia, and Florida. And we know how dominant the Gators have been out of the SEC. TCU, one of the hottest teams in college baseball right now. Virginia, Kind of a surprise, but at the same time, they're playing well, and so credit to them. And the bottom portion, that Stanford team, that Tennessee team, Wake Forest, and LSU. That's a stacked bottom portion of the bracket with Wake Forest, LSU, and Tennessee. Yikes, man. Stanford better be ready to play. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be difficult for – I mean, if you make it to this point uh, in the season, you've played really, really good ball – um, the one team you would say maybe doesn't have the talent of these other ones is Oral, but Oral has found a way to fight their way into uh, this matchup. But you got some really good teams. I mean, Florida, LSU, they've got really high draft picks on both of those teams. Uh, Caglione for, for Florida is one of the most interesting storylines in uh, baseball. Uh, he is one of their weekend starters and he's got what 27 home runs I think this year he's hitting well over 300 uh he's a finalist for the Golden Spikes Award LSU has the other two finalists for the Golden Spikes Award with uh Paul Skeens uh and Dylan Cruz who is maybe the best hitter in the uh country and is going to get taken the first pick or two in the uh in the Major League Baseball draft this year Stanford's got some players. Uh, Tennessee's got unbelievable pitching. Wake Forest, that lineup is so dadgum dangerous. They've got two guys, the three and four hole hitters, if I recall correctly, have an OPS. So on base plus slugging, over 1,300, which is insane. Over 900 is considered good. Mm -hmm. 1,400 is out of this, or 1,300 is out of this world. I think both of them might be over 1,350 as well. It's, they're, that's a dangerous lineup. Um, the teams that – I mean, TCU is about as hot of a team coming into Omaha as anybody. Uh, so it was Oral for that matter. But uh, Virginia is probably the one that I'll openly admit I know the least about coming into it. I ranked all eight of these teams in Omaha for best chance to worst chance to win, to win it all, to win the national title. I ranked them one through eight. I have Oral Roberts at eight. I think, obviously, you mentioned it. The talent is not there. Let me say this. The talent is not there compared to everybody else that's in Omaha. They obviously have talent because they made it this far, but they're just it's just a known commodity. That's a fact. They don't have the talent compared to the other teams that are in Omaha. I have them at the bottom. Stanford, seven. So this is worst case, like this is worst odds to win in my book going up. I put Stanford at seven. Um, Yes, you made it there. We talked about how they made it there and the fact that there was a really good chance they shouldn't have been there, but here they are. Maybe they can take advantage. I put Virginia at six. Uh, not that they're not talented or well-coached. I just don't I don't see them beating either TCU or Florida when they need to. I put TCU at five. I think, again, they're the hottest team in this thing right now outside of maybe Wake Forest. Um, I think they're really, really good. I just don't know if they can beat that Florida team. I put Tennessee at four out of the bottom portion. 
when it comes to best odds in my book to to win the national championship. Tennessee is really, really talented. They are really, really good. But having to go up against Wake Forest and LSU, it's going to be really, really tough. So I put Tennessee at four. I put that Florida team at three. I think they make it out of there. I think they're playing for a national championship when it's all said and done. The Florida Gators are LSU at two and Wake Forest at one. Wake Forest, they're they're so good offensively, man. They're so good offensively that I just don't know if anybody has the pitching to withstand them in any type of series. Um, LSU obviously has Paul Skeens. They can survive a game, but credit to them. People, and us included, we questioned the, the bullpen for this LSU team, and they've shown up when they needed to. And the bats are rolling right now. You saw them put it on Kentucky, who has a good pitching staff. You saw LSU put it on Kentucky in that Super Regional. So I think the favorite, obviously, is Wake Forest. Uh, but I think any combination of Wake, LSU, Florida, and I'll say Tennessee, I think can all win the national championship. Yeah, I think I think for me, I look at Wake. Florida, I think, is the best team out of their side. Uh, that Virginia team, I think, is – the. I mean, I've, I've started looking at the numbers and looking at them. I – didn't know a ton about them. I mean, even when we started talking here, the numbers are pretty strong. Um, they, while I don't think they will be the favorite against Florida, I kind of like them against TCU and Oral in uh, in whatever situation. If it was an elimination game or coming out of the the losers bracket, I think they've got a decent shot uh, to hang in there with Florida and maybe see Florida twice. Uh, other side. I think that Wake offense is too good for Stanford. And Skeens, I think, is going to get Tennessee in the first game. I just don't I don't know what's going to happen. with, And I think Tennessee's pitching might might get it done against Stanford, or Stanford in a elimination game. Um, but, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm curious. I think Wake, you're probably going to get a Wake-Florida championship. It's That's, probably going to be pretty yeah. chalk because I think it is – it does set up well for Florida to make it out of one side, and it sets up pretty well for Wake to make it out of the other. I think so, mind. too. I, I, I 100% agree. I think I think Paul Skeens can take Tennessee down in game one uh, because pretty much nobody has proven they can beat him. Um, but we know one thing about Tennessee, whether Auburn fans like it or not, this Tennessee team, they're gritty, man, and they're always in a game. Like they're, They are always going to be there. They're always going to be loud, and they're always going to make some noise. And so if they get bumped down to, to the loser's elimination bracket, I think I agree. I think they take on Stanford. I think they win that game. Um, I just think LSU is too good. They're better offensively than Tennessee in my book. Uh, but Wake Forest, what does LSU do after Paul Skeens? Do they have anybody that's a good starter that can go up against Wake Forest? I don't know. I don't think so. They have good guys, but I don't think they have anybody that can stand with the Wake Forest offense. That's the only way this goes south for the Demon Deacons is if the offense just craps out and and just goes ice cold, sort of of like an Auburn, but I don't don't see see it either. I don't. um, what, What I can't shake is, maybe this is unfair and it's a one off game. But the last time, I mean, to this Tennessee team, they see LSU, they see the best pitcher in the country to open up the College World Series for them. The last time we saw them against an SEC team, do you remember what happened in Hoover? They got one hit by Texas A&M. Yeah. They got one hit, and that's 
absolutely crazy to me that that offense has the capability against good pitching to just not show a pulse. And I worry about that when I look at that first matchup with with LSU. Then you're kind of behind the eight ball and you're having to do a lot to make it to a championship series. Which is fair. I think Tennessee's offense gave me a little bit more confidence against Kentucky, who you and I both picked to go in there and beat – or not Tennessee, but um, – I have yeah yeah I have my my teams mixed up there with Tennessee. You're right. I mean, the last time that they they played an SEC opponent like that, the bats went cold, and I don't. Nobody expects them to win that game against LSU, and then they're more than likely going to play Stanford. I think they can win that game, but then if they have to play an LSU again, what are they going to do? Right. So it'll be interesting. I think I'm with you though. I think it'll be Wake versus Florida. I think Wake wins, man. Their offense is just too good and they have the pitching to back it up. That's what's important here. Wake has the pitching to back up the explosive offense. I mean, if you're going to ask me right now, I think Florida wins the uh, national championship when it's all said and done. I think that team is just, it's well enough built to make it to the championship series. And then I just think that They've got some big names that I think will, will thrive in big moments and um, will will help power them to a national championship. And Kevin O'Sullivan will get another one. I I don't know how many he's won yet. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna look that up. So you're going with Florida. I'm gonna go with Wake Forest. We'll see. College World Series gets going on Friday on the 16th. So this coming Friday. So it interested. Be the second. Championship okay. O'Sullivan has won at Florida. He won in 2017. He's taken to the College World Series uh, eight times coming into this College World Series. It's about time for him to win yeah. a second one. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, starts on Friday. Should be a lot of fun in the College World Series there in Omaha. Question of the day. When we come back, we'll talk the NBA Finals as a new NBA champion has been crowned, and they've been crowned for the very first time. Question of the day. We'd love to hear from you on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. We've mentioned it already, but now that it is over, where does this run by Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets rank on those all-time for NBA Finals runs. We'll talk about that on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. All right, question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390 is the number if you want to chime in and give your thoughts on this. I teased it before we went to break. NBA Finals are done. The Denver Nuggets have been crowned NBA champions for the first time in franchise history. Uh, They defeat the Miami Heat four games to one. And when you look at it, and the the workhorse for the Denver Nuggets, outside of Jamal Murray, who is just a, a really, really solid player, you look at Nikola Jokic, who does not did not get the respect that he deserved. And and look, nobody truly knew how good he was going to be. He's a big guy. He doesn't come off as, as gonna be a flashy player in the post. He's a center, he's a big man from overseas. Nobody really knew what he was going to be and then all of a sudden he comes in and he starts doing really good things and he plays really well he comes into the NBA and he pretty much shocks the world and so Denver they've gotten close they've gotten made runs in the NBA playoffs 
but they've never won that NBA championship. And they did it this year. They went up against the Miami Heat, who took down all the biggest teams in the East. And Jimmy Butler in this team had to play really, really well because Denver just looked like the the juggernaut on the West. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what they were. They win 94 to 89 last night. They beat the Miami Heat four games to one. The stat still remains. Miami, the only game they won in the NBA Finals, Carter, they scored over 100 points. All the other losses, all four losses, they scored under 100 points. And I said that yesterday. I said that's what had to happen. Denver only scored 94. Like, like this was a defensive series for the Denver Nuggets. And so uh, congratulations to them. When you watch that game last night – I mean, especially in the fourth quarter, it just the possessions got really sloppy there for a few minutes. The shot selection was really bad, even at the end. Like you're down, if I recall correctly, you may have been down three if you're Miami and Jimmy Butler shoots a very contested low percentage fadeaway three and doesn't make it, obviously. But I mean some you were still right there. I don't think it was necessarily that because you didn't score 100 points you didn't win the game. You just your possessions were weird down the stretch and that turnover when uh Jimmy Butler pulls up his he picks up his dribble, kind of pivots out and he's trying to find somebody on the wing and he's just too late. There was some like hesitation, ball gets stolen going the other way. And if you're Miami, you you got to feel like you kind of let that one get away, especially with the fact that, I mean, you had the lead, what? You had the lead at half. You kept battling back. You kept, um, I mean, you had the lead. You tie it back up, I think. Uh, you actually take a one-point lead with a minute 58 left, and then you end up losing that game. Uh, that's a tough one. It really is. And neither team shot it well in this game. Uh, Miami just 34.4% from the field uh 25.7 from seven percent from three uh denver was better from the field 45.2 percent but just 17.9 percent from three it was not a uh a shot making clinic by any stretch of the imagination but well miami scored 18 points in the fourth quarter yeah like that, that's what I'm saying. Thirty-eight points in the second half. Yeah, that you can't have that in an NBA game. And yeah. so, I mean, you you score fifty-one points in the first half. You score thirty-eight in the second half. I mean, fifty-one is not a lot for an NBA half. It's no. not. It's not crazy. Um, but just to see the struggles they went through in the second half, and to to not get high level production out of the support players for Jimmy Butler. I mean, you had Bam Adebayo with twenty points, twelve boards. Uh, Jimmy Butler with his 21 points, three rebounds, five assists, three steals. Uh, But, I mean, Gabe Vincent, three of 13, 0 of 4 from three. Uh, Struess, five of 12, one of six from three. He shot awful all series. Mm -hmm. Kevin Love, one of four, one of four from three. Just like nobody shot the ball well for this Heat team last night at all. And you saw Nikola Jokic get his uh, NBA Finals MVP after averaging 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists during the Finals. So he averaged a double-double and was close to a triple-double. Carter, he was the first player ever, ever, to lead the entire playoffs in points, assists, and rebounds. Not just a series, the entire playoffs. We've seen LeBron, LeBron James do that in the finals multiple times, lead uh, his team or lead the finals in points, assists, and rebounds. 
but nobody in the history of the game has ever led the entire postseason with points, assists, and rebounds. And that's why I pose the question, where does this run by Nikola Jokic rank individually as some of the best of all time on an NBA Finals run? It's up there. Oh, it's yeah. up there. I mean, I, you absolutely can make that case. I mean, especially because it was after not winning the MVP this year to do what he just did to say that's nice y'all, y'all gave joel a, the mvp but he got snubbed i'm the best player on earth right now and it may look weird it may look goofy it may not look that coordinated all the time but you cannot deny that Jokic is the best player in basketball right now he just is he just and, is and the, the way that he can dominate a game the way that he can affect the game in so many ways it's incredible his passing is what sets him apart, in my opinion, oh, yeah. man. He he is he's just so good. And again, he is not the the physical specimen of like a LeBron James. He doesn't have the shooting ability of a Kevin Durant. He doesn't have the the inside post presence that a Shaquille O'Neal had. But it doesn't matter. He's still good, and he can still beat you in so many ways. And you look at this Nuggets team; they lost one game at home all postseason long. It was in the finals. That was it. It was game two. That's it. And outside of that, they had, let's see, they had one, two, three. They had four losses all postseason. Yeah. They went 16-4. and four. By the way, I, I, I remember watching the game and thinking this last night. Kyle Lowry felt like he was taking so many threes. He was pretty good. He was four of nine from three. You will take that every day of the week, especially when the rest of the team is shooting well from three. The last time he had nine three-point attempts in a game was on December 14th. Wow. That seems really weird. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, credit to Denver. They're NBA champions for the very first time. Nikola Jokic, finals MVP, and this run will rank there amongst those all time. When we come back, we'll talk Auburn football recruiting and recap our visit with Christian Clemente from hour number one. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. In our number one, if you were not with us, we had Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover. He is our our recruiting guru. He's definitely theirs uh, for Auburn Undercover. He is the go-to guy when it comes to recruiting uh, in my book. And so we always appreciate him and his time, especially right now when it's so busy for Auburn football in high school recruiting with camps and seven-on-sevens and official visits, unofficial visits, all sorts of stuff going on. And so uh, if you missed that conversation, I remind you to go and catch up with the podcast after the show today, commercial-free. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or go to ESPNAU.com. Uh, but want to give our thoughts and, and comments on what he had to say and really what's been going on with, with Auburn football recruiting. And we'd love to hear uh, from our listeners as well if you have thoughts and opinions, questions about Auburn football recruiting give us a call 334-321-1390 Carter just your your initial uh, thoughts and reactions to what Christian had to say obviously uh, you know we keep up with it pretty pretty well but Christian he he does such an amazing job and just has he always has fantastic things to say especially right now when there are guys flooding to Auburn's campus for Auburn football yeah I mean it's it's we're in a time period where Auburn's getting guys on campus and getting guys on campus that 
the last staff never would have dreamed of getting on campus. Uh, and we're seeing steady progress. It's being made. And I know that right now has not shown up in terms of the number of commitments and where this class is right now. Look, there's only five commitments, four four-stars and a three-star. There's going to be more. Uh, this class is going to be strong. Uh, it's going to be better than what it's been for the past three, four years. I firmly believe that. And if the product matches it on the field, it can only get better from there. Uh, and momentum is going to pick up here soon. And and I think we feel pretty good about that. I mean, it feels like a matter of time at this point for the next domino to fall. And then maybe one or two more fall over there quickly after it. And maybe people aren't as concerned as maybe they they can be right now. And look, Christian made a great point when he talked about some of these kids want to see what it looks like on the field under this new staff in 2023. I think that's fair. If Auburn can put the right product on the field, Auburn's going to have a top 15, maybe top 10 class. I mean, Christian said this staff wants to finish in the top five. I mean, if if they hit some home runs, they absolutely can. Guys like K.J. Bolden, Cam Coleman, uh, Perry Thompson, there's plenty of names out there that Auburn is heavy after that can really move the the needle. And I am very curious to see where this class ends up. And not just names that will make the recruiting class look better, that'll be fluff, right? We, we, we saw that under Gus Malzahn. Don't you worry. We saw that, right? We saw him go after high-level guys that didn't fit the team, didn't fit the narrative, didn't fit the program, nothing personally, just the roster itself. They went after guys that... They were highly rated recruits, but they couldn't ever fit in because there was nowhere for him to go. And he was getting high-level athletes, right? Hugh Freeze and this staff are going after high-level running backs and wide receivers and linebackers and safeties and quarterbacks. They're going after guys who are highly rated in their positions, which are positions that Auburn desperately needs help in down the road. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what is really, really important. And Christian put it this way, and so did you. The domino effect, it's coming. It's absolutely coming because we have sat here on this program, on this station, us and Bill and Doug and everybody, they've all talked about how they're doing the right things. And it's going to happen. And I'm sure there's a lot of Auburn fans, whether they're listening to us or reading it somewhere or whatever, just talking you know, in the family living room about, okay, but when? Right? When is it going to happen? Christian said we could have something today. We could have something today. And, 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 and I think that will be the domino effect, the snowball effect, whatever you want to call it, where you are going to see you are going to see more guys start committing to Auburn football. Yes. And you will eventually you're going to add a decent, a significant number in my opinion, and then it's going to stop again. It's going to halt for a while. But the football season's then going to start, and if you start winning and you start competing and you start getting good atmospheres at Jordan-Hare Stadium again and putting a product on the field to keep that atmosphere in the stands for four quarters, you're going to get guys that fall in love with this place, and Auburn's going to become what it used to be and what we know it to be as a place that recruits itself. And I think Auburn has gotten away from that because of the lack of good product on the field. 
Yeah, and I mean, we've. I'm excited about this class. I think it's going to end up being better than even right now, like with your f- four four stars and one three star. Uh, and the guys that you're probably likely to pick up here in the near future, they may not be four stars right now. I think they can't. There are some guys who fit the scheme, fit what Hugh Freeze is trying to do, uh, may get their ratings bumped up a little bit as well. Uh, and I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of wasted, uh, wasted scholarships, wasted spaces in this class. I mean, you were talking about the Gus Malzahn era and kind of what I've coined the empty calorie four stars. I mean, go back to his 2020 class. Yes, your headliners, Tank Bixby. We all know about Tank. Zeke Walker is your number two guy. He's still on campus. The impact has not been significant. Wesley Steiner, I don't think the impact's been that significant so far. Jay Hardy, gone. Kobe Hudson, gone. Xavier Capers, gone. J.J. Evans, gone. Tennyson, gone. Eric Reed, gone. Chris Thompson, gone. Malcolm Johnson, very minimal impact to this point. J.J. Pegues, gone. I think some of that has Tisdall, to do... Butler, both gone. Cam Riley, probably your most impactful player that's not Tank Bigsby. Yeah. Brandon Frazier, impact somewhat, blocking, but that's about it. And Marco D- Damio, who was gone as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the that is that is your four stars in that class. Your blue chip players. You've so far really hit on two of them. Right. If you count Cam Riley, and you can have a debate on that, on whether that's truly a hit right now, but his impact is better than the rest of that group. Some of that is playing into a coaching change where we know that that guys left this program because of that coaching change, but a lot of them just didn't work out here, and they were your empty calorie type of players, your fluff type of players, where yeah, they were highly rated, and sure, they made the classes look good, right? They made the rankings look good for Auburn when you put them in a graphic, but when it came to results on the field and off the field, it didn't work. And I don't think you're going to see that problem with Hugh Freeze. You're not seeing that problem with Hugh Freeze because he's going, and this whole staff, they're recruiting the biggest names in the wide receiver group. They're recruiting the biggest names at the quarterback position. They're recruiting the biggest names in linebackers and offensive line and defensive line. Like They're going and getting guys, not just getting them, they're getting them on campus. They're talking to them. They're bringing them here for camps and seven-on-sevens with some of the biggest schools in the state of Alabama and some of the biggest schools in the, in the Southeast. They're also getting them on campus for unofficials and officials. And they're all guys that will fill, they will fill roster spots, but they will fill needs for yes. this roster. And, and that's just we can't express enough how important that is and how basic it sounds, but how important it is. And I, it just seems like talking with Christian and seeing what's going on, uh, I mean, we know the impact that they're having already. Yeah, I mean, I for me, if I were if there was one place that I'd be a little worried right now about this class. I don't love that you don't have an offensive lineman committed mm-hmm. yet. I think that's coming. I think that's coming relatively soon. Uh, somebody's got to get on board. Somebody's got to be that first one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this staff knows what they're doing. They're going to attack it all as they go, and they're going to look. I More so than the last two staffs, maybe combined, I trust the vision and the the – plan 
that this staff has and how they attack it day to day, the effort they put in, their ability to make impact uh, impacts in short periods of time, the way that they were able to flip guys late at the end of the last cycle. That's why I'm not going to panic right now. And I think it's going to come a long way over the course of the next month, two months, and then the next six months. It's going to – this. This is going to be a strong group, and I think this is going to be the foundational class for Hugh Freeze. What I will also say is Auburn's going to hit the portal again heavy this offseason. I think you look to that uh, after the 24 season is when you'd like to really throttle off that. But Brian Harson left you in such a bad spot, such a lack of talent on the roster. The end of the Gus Malzahn era was not very helpful either you still are going to have to early in the Hugh Freeze tenure attack the transfer portal. And I don't I think you'll start to see it wane in twenty four and twenty five and as you go. Mm-hmm. It'll take a couple of years to to make up the ground and to to get back where you need to be. And you and, and luckily you have the transfer portal to do that, right? You thankfully Hugh Freeze in in the year 2023 and in 2024 because i agree with you um they have that luxury of using the transfer portal and we've seen them hit it hard we've seen them be uh pretty successful in the transfer portal as well and so uh, when i look at this coming class for auburn given what we know is coming given what we have seen you and i and given what we have been told by the likes of christian and, and other people i think I think Auburn can pull a top 10 class. I think, I think they, they can, can pull top 10. And I think they do. I think yep. they do. And here's why. I think people are believing in what they're seeing. I think recruits are believing what they're hearing. And it's not just a bunch of, of, of hogwash. I think it's true. And they believe it because Hugh Freeze and a lot of these guys have done it before. They've done it before at the likes of Ole Miss. They've done it before. At Liberty, yes, a smaller program, but he still did it, right? I think the recruits are buying in, and once all of these, once the snowball is kicked down the hill, it's all just going to pile together, and there's gonna, it's going to pick up momentum along the way. It's going to pick up snow and branches and whatever, and all those things are wins on the football field, right? Atmospheres when the when the recruits are on campus, right? seeing where and how they are going to fit in on this roster and in this program and what life is like as an Auburn football player, all of those things are going to feed into this. And as long as 2023 on the football field doesn't crash and burn and you don't go 5-7 and seven and you're uncompetitive like you were last year, Auburn can only go up. Uh, I mean, Auburn can only go up and only grow this recruiting class. And so... I think Auburn is competitive on the field this fall. I've talked about that, and we will continue to talk about that throughout the summer as as the season grows closer. We're 81 days away. That is going to help so much, so, so much. And the example that I gave when Christian was with us in the first hour was, think about if Auburn is competitive in the SEC, they pick up a win or two they're not supposed to get. Let's say they beat A&M or LSU or both, and they lose to Georgia, whatever. But let's say they are a competitive team going I into mean, the if, Iron Bowl. If you build that, uh, if this Auburn team goes 10-2, and two, heck yeah, it's going to be a top 
seven class. I'm not even saying I don't even think you have to go ten and two. I think you oh, could yeah, be yeah, an eight win yeah. team. I'm saying if you beat A and M and L, right, you're right. probably going ten and two. Yeah, probably. And you roll into that Iron Bowl at home late November, Jordan Hare Stadium. If Alabama is competitive which they will be i don't think they're as good as they have been but i it's still alabama they have a lot of talent and a great coach but you roll into that if you're auburn with a ton of momentum you've got some national buzz you will have so many recruits on this campus that weekend after thanksgiving it'll be unbelievable and then you win that game right that will be the final just the final gut punch in a good way for auburn to sign what i think is a top 10 class yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think you need a bunch of huge wins. I think a win at A&M and one of LSU, Georgia, and Alabama would would be about the ceiling in terms of expectations, and I think that that'd be really strong, um, especially if you I mean, if you won at LSU again back-to-back um, when you hadn't won since 99 before uh, 2021. That would be impressive. I mean – Heck, any win over Georgia right now. I mean, I think your your Auburn fans that live across the state line are just looking for any glimpse of hope right now. Even and just competing would, that in that game, it, from a recruiting standpoint and a non-recruiting yeah. standpoint, even just competing, I think would be a huge step up. When it comes to, because those are separate conversations, but when it comes to the recruiting aspect before we get to break, here's what you cannot have happen this fall. You cannot have another Penn State game. You cannot have that. If you have yeah. another Penn State game where the national media is here, all the media is there, recruits are there, the fans are there, and you drop an absolute egg. I just don't see where that would happen right I agree. now on Auburn's schedule. I mean, the, well, other than maybe it happens against Georgia. Which would that be expected, it. though. That's the difference. Georgia is expected to come to Auburn and beat them by two touchdowns. Well, I, I guess the downside where, where you could get – where where maybe that's not expected would be what if Auburn's 4-0 when Georgia comes in town because then it's going to have a bunch of hype and I think it'll be a little early for yes. for how how much steam the hype train would have at that moment it would It'd get humbled in that. early it would be humbled at um, that point cuz I think back what what was it 2021 that Auburn had won a bunch of games they hadn't really played anybody yet and um in came Georgia, and that's where you had Bruce and Dylan Cardwell taking off their shirts and Cam and all this hype, and it was just this is a little, a little much, and it did not go well in that game. As weird as I think this could sound, I think your potential Penn State game in twenty twenty three could be the Alabama game. It could be I, the Al- because because. If all of those things happen that I just mentioned, where you win a game or two you're not supposed to, you have some night, you have some buzz going on around the campus, around the program. There's a lot riding on this game. If Auburn could get to a decent bowl game, you beat Alabama at home. You've got a ton of recruits on campus. The stadium is full. Saturday is fun, right? And then I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I think that's where the potential is, where Alabama would then come to town, and let's say they just blow the doors off of Auburn. That would be a, a demoralizing way to end what could be a really big momentum-building season. I just, I'm not saying it'll happen. I don't, I don't know where, the, where the, the difference makers on the Alabama offense to blow Auburn out are right now, because the, the, the receivers are not they're not game-wreckers. Right. The quarterback position is as weak as—I as, mean— You'd have to go back to 
Blake Sims maybe before that. Which is fair. And I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying if there is, because that cannot happen. You cannot have another Penn State game of last year. But yes, if there is I, one agree. on this schedule that I look at that could be that, it would be Alabama, if given Auburn, everything that could happen leading up to it. If Auburn is 4-0, I think you could see something very similar to to 2021 against Georgia this season, where 2021, you're 4-1, you go to Penn State, you lose a tough one, where you were there, you had chances, you didn't convert, but but then you go to LSU and Bo Nix is Johnny Menzel and just straight up wins you a game. Then you had a bunch of hype for that Georgia game, and you mm-hmm. lose by twenty four. Right. I think you hung with them in the first half, but you just didn't. You didn't have the depth. You didn't have the talent to hang with them for sixty minutes. Yeah, I think that. And again, we got to get to break. This year on the field is going to be so big for Auburn recruiting because there are so many kids, and rightfully so, that are waiting on results. As soon as they see the results, I think they're going to come. I think they're going to flood to Auburn as they already are right now as recruits. But I think they'll do it as commits as well. We got to get to our final break uh, here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back, have a couple of minutes, wrap it up. And before Bill and Dan of The Drive come on, all coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck is coming up right after us from 4 to 6, so be sure you stay tuned uh, for that. Um, It's been a great show today for us. We had uh, Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover who joined us in the first hour talking all things Auburn football recruiting, uh, talking about all the players that have been here over the last couple of weeks, talked about some of the ones you could see commit as early as today. And so uh, if you missed any of that conversation or any else uh, of our show, we had uh, the question of the day talking about the NBA Finals. We talked about the teams that are in Omaha for the College World Series uh, and then just had a really good conversation about Auburn football recruiting ourselves and so if you missed any of it you got to go catch up with the podcast tonight tomorrow whenever you'd like ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast Uh, we got about a minute or so Carter I know you have kept up with it I know I don't know how much you've watched it Stanley Cup final tonight. It is game five. Really quick before we get out of here, uh, Vegas could win their first Stanley Cup ever if they defeat yeah. uh, the Florida Panthers. I think they do. I think they I do think easily. I think they're, they're going to as well. Uh, isn't there some – we don't know if Kachuk's playing for yeah, the Yeah, uh, Kachuk, yeah, Kachuk. He's going to play. There's no chance he doesn't play, right? In, in my book, in this situation where you see when it's like this, you're down 3-1, your best player is questionable, like you better play. That's all I'm saying. I don't care if your leg is broken. You're playing. Like if you can if you can put on the skates or if you can put on the shoes or put on the helmet because this is potentially the final game of the year, your season's on the line. Yeah, you got to play. And so I think he will. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I think Vegas will win and you will have two teams in the postseason for the NHL and the NBA when their first ever championship how about that with the Denver Nuggets in the NBA in Vegas in the NHL their sixth season of being around yeah that'd be that'd be amazing uh I always like seeing these expansion teams have mm-hmm. success and win championships early that's why I want to watch the uh the Mighty Ducks 30 for 30 on this game yeah should be really good well 
Tune in tonight if you want to. Should be fun. Vegas and Florida. Great conversations today. Check out the podcast, ESPNAU.com. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.